3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nation, true owners, caretakers, and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognize their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis, and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. It's 7am, and today is Tuesday, the 20th of February, 2024. My name is Fung, and in the studio today, we've got Francis, Carnegie, and Ivka. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. 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 Hope everyone is feeling good this morning. Um, just wanted to say, kind of, it felt like only yesterday, well, it literally was two days ago that we were sitting here in the studio, which is a bit different because we're, we're normally here on a Tuesday and we were here on a Sunday. Yeah. We, Fung and I guest hosted uh, the show Rotations on Sunday afternoon from two to three. Um if listeners have never tuned into Rotations, it's such a fun show. It has a different guest host every Sunday from different shows across 3CR, and each show is themed according to whatever that person's general musical preferences might be. So it's always really fun to tune in. And um, yeah, I think for us, we were saying it's so much more low key than doing a <laughs> 7 a.m. current affairs show every morning and Tuesdays. So that was really fun. For sure. Did you? Did Francis and Ivka, did you know that Carnegie is a huge um, System of a Down fan? <laughs> I but didn't. I thought it was going to be all pop. No, oh, no. We, <laughs> look, that was my last rotations, to be fair, which I did by myself. It was um, a pop extravaganza from across the world, and it was so fun. Um, but this one, I think because we came from the rally, we were um, vibing more of like a resistance and rage playlist. Um and yeah, I'm a huge System of a Down fan mm. because, as I was saying on Sunday, they were the only band back when I was um, 13 and really into sort of punk and more like heavy music that wasn't white in that scene. So mm. um, they like sang so many more political songs and the lead singer is Lebanese um, Armenian. So some of their songs are about the Armenian genocide and all, like all about like bringing the system down and about the Iraq war and holding the USA to account and capitalism. Which I had no idea. Yeah. I feel like you just sometimes don't even take in the lyrics. Like just, yeah. Yeah. I have to admit, I'm not sure I know a system of a down song. Chop suey? Oh, yeah. of course. Yes. Well, Ivka, you can listen to you can listen back to the episode. I will be heading to 3cr.org.au to listen back to that episode. Right. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so here's what we have coming up on today's show. Uh, at 7.15, we'll be playing a short uh, talk from Stella Swain, Swain from Palestine Solidarity Campaign UK, speaking about the boycotting of Barclays Bank and their complicity in funding Israeli military. Uh, and that was first aired on Solidarity Breakfast on the 10th of Feb. 
At 7.30, we welcome back Chloe D.S., who is a refugee rights activist, Green Left journalist and fellow 3CR presenter. And Chloe uh, is joining us on the show to speak about the 10-year anniversary of the murder of Reza Barati at the detention centre on Manus Island. Uh, There was a vigil for him and others who were attacked um, at the detention centre on Friday, um, the 16th of February marking the 10-year anniversary. So we'll be speaking to Chloe about that as well as Australia's cruel and racist uh, immigration policies. At 7.45, we'll be speaking with Mikhail, who is a community lawyer and Australian Services Union member involved in organising a walkout for Palestine for social and community sector workers this Thursday. At 8 o'clock, we'll give you a brief update on camp sovereignty as we're um, we've been doing every every week at eight o'clock, um, and we'll share with you some events that are happening there today. At eight o five, we'll be speaking to Kara from the City of Melbourne Council for Palestine, and we'll be talking to Kara about uh, today's rally at five pm. And we'll finish off the show at 8.15 with Georgia Mulholland. Georgia is the director of Made in Palestine, a non-profit project providing humanitarian and economic support to Palestinian refugees and those living under military occupation. Georgia will be joining us to talk about an upcoming exhibition, Artists in Solidarity, to raise funds for Palestinian organisations. We'll be back with the news headlines right after this. We know you love listening to 3CR, but we also know that many of you haven't downloaded the Community Radio Plus app yet. The app lets you tune in anywhere and share the station with your friends. So, show the love and share the love and search Community Radio Plus wherever you get your apps. Good morning. You're on 3CR Tuesday Breakfast and these are your news headlines for this morning, Tuesday the 20th of February. The Nazi gym in Sunshine has been shut down after a year of protests organised by the Campaign Against Racism and Fascism, who we've had on the show and across several shows on 3CR to talk about their actions against the gym. Until now, the gym was run by the National Socialist Network, a Nazi organization which has held protests against migration and trans rights and organized a two-day white power event in the gym late last year. The closure comes after a campaign against racism and fascism held five protests of over 400 people against the group throughout the year, which is a real testament to community organizing and people power. An all-staff email to Victoria Legal Aid employees, or VLA, said they should avoid discussing Israel's war in Palestine at work. Over 150 VLA staff have co-signed a letter to management calling for an end of attempts to silence staff. VLA is an organization with over a thousand employees that helps some of the most vulnerable and disadvantaged members of our community, and VLA staff have expressed feelings shocked and disappointed at this directive. On top of not being able to discuss the war, staff have also reported being asked to remove pro-Palestine posters and flyers from their desks and not to post news about it on their social media accounts. A VLA spokesperson told Crikey News that this is one of the biggest human rights incidents in our lifetime and as a human rights organisation we should speak about it, we should be courageous in our pursuit of social justice. 
The letter said the direction should be withdrawn in part because it might interfere with core workplace duties of VLA lawyers, and it accused the Victorian and federal governments of being complicit in Israel's violence through diplomatic and economic support. Trade unions in India have refused to handle weapons shipments to Israel. The Water Transport Federation of India, representing 3,500 workers across 11 key ports, says it will refuse to load or unload weapons to Israel. The union has said in a statement that labor unions would always stand and have always stood against the war and killing innocent civilians. Israel sends $7 billion in arms to India each year, and India's first private drone manufacturing facility has recently sold more than 20 killer drones to Israel, made by the Adani Elbit Advanced Systems, a joint venture between India's Adani Defense and Aerospace and Israel's Elbit Systems. Uh, also in the news, on Sunday 18th of February, the UNHCR released a draft report on the conditions of asylum seekers who are stranded on the island Diego Garcia uh, in the Indian Ocean. 61 people are currently in the island's camp, uh, most of whom are Sri Lankan Tamils uh, who were on the way to Canada um, around 2021 and a little bit later with a different arrival and ended up on the island due to boat difficulties. Their asylum claims have been the first ever to be launched on British Indian Ocean Territory, BIOT, an area controlled by the UK but also disputed. Um, Mauritius uh, claims the islands are theirs and the UK government has argued that refugee convention does not apply there. The UNHCR visited the island last November and the draft report was released to the BBC and Guardian by the Supreme Court of the BIOT, British Indian Ocean Territory. Uh, the report details horrific conditions which amount to arbitrary detention. The asylum seekers on the island are isolated in a fenced-off camp. They have described being bitten by rats, incidents of sexual assault and harassment from other asylum seekers, and feelings of despair and incidents of self-harm and suicide. The UNHCR is calling for urgent relocation for those stranded on Diego Garcia and spokespersons from Human Rights Watch are calling on the UK government to ensure the welfare of these asylum seekers. Uh, in Australian news, uh, also on immigration, more than 40 asylum seekers have been taken to Nauru after they were found in a remote area of WA. Two groups of asylum seekers were found uh, largely from Pakistan and Bangladesh, believed to be uh, from the same boat. On Sunday, 18th of Feb, the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, told reporters that Operation Sovereign Borders was being implemented, whereby all refugees who arrive by boat are taken to offshore detention and denied ever settling permanently in Australia. We've then seen a political war break out between Labor and Liberal parties on who can be tougher on immigration, illegal arrivals and people smugglers. And media outlets like the ABC are also contributing with inflammatory language like headlines spike in illegal activity, referring to boat arrivals. Um, in all this, the rights of these asylum seekers are ignored and we risk further human rights abuses by sending these asylum seekers to Nauru. It's important to note that the UNHCR has repeatedly called for refugees and asylum seekers to be moved from Nauru due to inhumane conditions and called on Australia to bring them to the nation where they can receive adequate support and care. 
And it's also worth noting that under the 1951 Geneva Convention for Refugees, it is not illegal to seek asylum and refugees have the right not to be punished for irregular entry into the territory of a contracting state. For our next news story, just a warning for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners that uh, this story contains the name of a person who has passed away. Um, please take care when listening. The coronial inquest into the death of Yorta Yorta and Gunai Konai man Joshua Kerr will resume and finish this Thursday, 22nd of February. The Dajua Foundation is calling for people in the community to come and support Josh's family on the final day of the inquest. On the 10th of August 2022, Joshua died in custody while on remand awaiting trial at the age of 32. He was locked in a medical unit cell at Port Phillip Prison, which was supposed to be monitored by prison guards and health staff. Josh's family asked that people show their support by attending the coronial inquest in person. Please follow the Dajua Foundation on Instagram for more details and information on what to expect when you attend the Victorian Coroner's Court. You can follow the organization at Dajua underscore foundation on Instagram, Dajua spelt D-H-A-D-J-O-W-A. And for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who would like support and to talk to someone, you can call 13YARN, that's 139276 for 24-7 support. In other news, the Latin American Solidarity Network is putting on a fundraiser this Thursday, the 22nd of February at 6.30pm at the Catalyst Social Centre, which is located at 146 Sydney Road, Coburg. It will be an evening of trivia, food, music and comedy, and uh, there's a $5 door donation. So um, get down to the Catalyst Social Centre this Thursday evening uh, in Coburg. Finally, here are the free Palestine events that are happening today, Tuesday 20th of February. At 1pm, there's a weekly Students for Palestine meeting that's located at 83 Sydney Road, Brunswick. At 5pm, the Melbourne City Council for Palestine will rally outside the Melbourne Town Hall and, as Francis mentioned, will be speaking to a representative from the group later this morning. At 6pm, Whittlesea for Palestine Rally is happening at the Civic Centre, that's 25 Ferris Boulevard in South Morang. And at 6.30pm uh, in Brimbank, there's uh, an event called Keep Up the Pressure for Palestine, and that's happening outside the Brimbank City Council, uh, 301 Hampshire Road, Sunshine. And those are our news headlines for uh, today. Uh, we'll be back with our first segment right after this. Stand in solidarity with Palestine this Sunday. With the most devastating attack ever launched on the people of Gaza, it's time for all of us to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Israel has waged war on the Palestinians for the last 75 years. The Nakba, ethnic cleansing, occupation of the West Bank, East Jerusalem and Gaza. Israel has now imposed a total blockade on Gaza and declared war stopping food, electricity and fuel and launching an all-out attack. We have to mobilise to show our support for Palestine. 12pm State Library this Sunday. Rally to demand freedom and justice for Palestine. No war on Gaza. Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter.
In this uh, first segment, we're going to play you a short speech from Stella Swain from Palestine Solidarity Campaign UK, who's speaking about the boycotting of Barclays Bank and their complicity in funding Israeli military. Uh, And this was from a rally in Sydney on the 9th of Feb, uh, provided by Vivian Langford from the Climate Action Show and aired on Solidarity Breakfast. I'm going to talk about um, our Barclays campaign, as Louise said, Um, and Israel can only maintain its colonial system of oppression and the ongoing genocidal attacks that we've heard about this evening because of the equipment, services and funding that it's receiving from a range of companies like Barclays. Um, So that's what we mean when we say that there is an international complicity in Israel's genocide. So globally, These powerful companies are bankrolling Israel's attacks daily, providing the financial support, if not building the weapons themselves, and are even profiting from a genocide that we're currently seeing unfold in front of us. Um, So it's this international complicity, which the call for boycott, divestment and sanctions that came from the Palestinian BDS National Committee in 2005 highlighted. And it's that that calls on us as the international solidarity movement um, to take up uh, boycott, divestment and sanctions as tactics um, and as goals to um, work towards in our campaigning. Um, And these tactics work best, as most tactics do, when they're specific, used as part of a directed and coordinated campaign that's bigger than just one individual or a group and that has really clear goals. Um, So that's why we're targeting Barclays Bank at the moment. Um, Our research has uncovered that Barclays holds over £1 billion in shares and provides over £3 billion in loans and underwriting to nine companies whose weapons, components and military technology are currently being used by Israel in its attacks on Palestinians. Um, So this includes companies like Elbit Systems, which produce the armoured drones, the munitions and the artillery weapons that are used by the Israeli military. Um, And also BAE Systems, um, which manufactures key parts of the F-35 jets, which are currently used in strikes on Gaza. Um, And uh, BAE Systems, I read a report the other day that um, apparently they've seen an increase um, in their share prices. So their share prices have actually been rising since October. So these these companies are actually profiting um, off of the genocide that Israel is committing um, in Gaza. Um, so prov- by providing investment and financial services to these arms companies, Barclays is not only actively facilitating Israel's ongoing and brutal attacks, but is actually financially benefiting from these massacres. And so we in this campaign and as people of conscience across Britain and across the world, we're saying no more of this. We're calling for a mass boycott of all Barclays services, like the one which brought down Barclays complicity in South African apartheid in the 1980s until the bank ends its shameful complicity in Israel's attacks on Palestinians. Because as as I just mentioned, and as we all know, um, Barclays complicity in apartheid isn't new. When in the 1970s, Barclays was bankrolling apartheid in South Africa, anti-apartheid campaigners ran a massive campaign to boycott Barclays, which included disrupting the bank's annual general meetings, students' unions, forcing closure of branches, massive rallies and thousands of institutional and individual consumers closing their accounts. Um, So we can see there that it was the power of mass mobilisation that forced Barclays to withdraw from South Africa in 1986 
And now in 2024, we're back demanding that they end their complicity once more in apartheid and genocide. So pressure is building. We've seen trade unions take up the call and urge their members to close their Barclays accounts. We've seen students' unions pass motions committing to never bank with Barclays. Days of action have happened almost weekly with protests, sit-ins and occupations in towns and cities across Britain calling for Barclays to end their complicity. And we've set up a pledge system online so that people can both pledge never to bank with Barclays while they're complicit, um, and if they have an account, can pledge to close it. Um, and I think this is kind of the, the breaking news, but so far we've had over 1,500 pledges from, pe from people committing to shutting their Barclays accounts, which has a huge impact. Barclays will receive thousands of emails and letters this Friday outlining exactly why they're losing custom. And we've seen before that this kind of mass public pressure can really create real change. Um, so Friday isn't the only day that we're taking action. We're going to keep escalating. We're going to keep taking over Barclays branches, picketing outside their banks and holding days of action in communities up and down the country until we win. We will force Barclays to drop their complicity and we will succeed in holding companies like Barclays responsible for their complicity in Israel's war crimes. And we'll keep doing it together as a trade union movement, but also as a student movement, as a, as a solidarity movement that is way broader than, um, than any of the forces that try to oppose us. So thank you so much um, for listening and make sure if you have a Barclays account that you close it, you, you use our, the link on our um, website, I think it'll go into the comments section um, or you can go onto the PSC website um, and you'll be able to find it there uh, to pledge to close your Barclays account on Friday the 9th until they completely end all of their complicity in Israeli apartheid. That was uh, Stella Swain from Palestine Solidarity Campaign UK speaking about the boycotting of Barclays Bank. Uh, we're going to play you a track now. Uh, this one's from Jen Kloa, uh, and it's called Mana Takatapui. Uh, and this is a track uh, from her album, which is focused on um, LGBTQI plus rights. Oh. Just to blink You held a queen And traded hood out For a joker Now a gay like me A gay like me Is in your dreams A gay like me Is in your dreams And always will be yourself. 
Hey, this is Greta Ray, and you are listening to 3CR 855am Radical Radio on digital and streaming live on 3cr.org.au. You're listening to 3CR 855am, the voice of the community. 3CR Community Radio, giving the voice to the community since 1976. Before those announcements, you heard Mana Takapatui by Jane Cloa and we're going to play you another track uh, right now this morning. This is the latest from Emily Waramara and it's called Magic Woman Dancing. This soul I knew She hurt herself in ways you couldn't imagine She wasn't shy she was very outspoken and open Always starstruck, divine vessel And dreams that would provoke them There's something oh so lovely about her There's something oh so lovely about her
the song uh, Magic Woman Dancing by Emily Waramara. You're listening to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. This morning we welcome back Chloe Diaz who is a refugee rights activist, Green Left journalist and fellow 3CR presenter. Chloe joins us on the show this morning to speak about the 10-year anniversary of the murder of Reza Barati at the detention centre on Manus Island. On Friday, the 16th of February, a vigil was held to remember Reza Barati and all other victims of Australia's cruel and racist border control policies. Organised by the Refugee Action Collective Victoria, the vigil was held outside the State Library of Victoria. Thank you so much for joining us again on Tuesday Breakfast, Chloe. Good morning, Fong, and Tuesday Breakfast and listeners. Thank you for having me back on the show. I'm coming to you from the land of the Boomerang. It's always such a pleasure to have you on our show, Chloe. Um, I was wondering if you could start by telling our listeners who Reza Barati was and what happened at the Manus Island Detention Centre 10 years ago. Well, Reza Barati was one of many refugees who died as a result of Australia's cruel and racist refugee policies. He arrived in Australia on July 24, 2000. 13, which was unlucky because that was just five days after Labor announced their PNG solution, which meant that any refugee who arrived in Australia by boat after July 19, 2013, were to be denied resettlement and sent to Papua New Guinea to detention camps. And Reza Barati, he belonged to Iran's Kurdish minority who have been suffering an ongoing genocide. And like many others, he left Iran seeking a better life. But on February the 17th in 2014, guards at the detention centre on Manus Island and local contractors attacked the refugees and asylum seekers who were being unjustly and indefinitely held there by the Australian government. So what happened was they went in with... They were armed with guns, with pipes, machetes and sticks... Detention worker hit Reza Barati multiple multiple times with a piece of timber spiked with nails, and another contractor dropped a rock on his head. And then, as he lay injured on the ground, up to ten men repeatedly kicked him in the head. Reza was only twenty three years old when he died of his injuries. Yeah, that is an incredibly cruel and horrific thing to have happened to. Reza and people who, like you said, were fleeing genocide, fleeing conflict and suffering and violence back in their home country and trying to seek safety. And yet the Australian government allowed, well, put it in their policies um, and, and sent them to, you know, this 
brutality um, and in Reza's case, death as well. Has there ever been any accountability for the locals and the guards who attacked the group and killed Reza? Well, four guards were eventually charged, two locals from PNG and two from Australia, but only the locals faced court and the Australian guards were saved. They were whisked away before they could face justice. And in the days before the trial, the key witness to his murder and Reza's friend and roommate, Ben um, Benham Sata, faced all these death threats from guards and there were there were calls to bring him to Australia while the trial proceeded, but that was ignored by the Australian government. So only the locals were sent to jail, but one of them escaped, as far as I know, and has not been found. But Reza Barati's family have since sued the local contractor, GS4, and the government. But the former Prime Minister, Tony Abbott, and the Immigration Minister at the time, Scott Morrison, have never been held accountable. Neither has the Labor government that was responsible for incarcerating Reza on Manus in the first place. So the responsibility ultimately lies with the Australian government. The detention centre was funded and run by Australian authorities and the Labor government reopened Manus Island in November 2012. So Reza Barati was sent there by the Rudd government. Yeah, and it's just ongoing, isn't it, with each mm. with each new prime minister or each change in, in government or in party, these cruel and um, inhumane practices just continue. I was wondering, what was the response of the Australian PNG governments at the time? I, I, I know you've just told us that there's never been any accountability um, for, for what happened, but um, did they respond to, to this cruel attack? Oh, I actually don't, I'm not, I can't actually remember, apologies to listeners, about what the PNG, how the PNG government actually responded in the media or anything. But I can tell you that the Australian government doubled down on their policies um, and the even the media lied and told us that the events that killed Reza Barati, um, the, the attack that, I forgot to mention that, Two others lost an eye and one had their throat slashed. So it was a really, it, it was like a massacre, really. It was a bloody, um, you know, it was a it was a huge, a lot of people got injured, up to 70 people got injured. So it was a big thing. But the media here tried to say that it was a riot when it was really an act of retribution against the asylum seekers who had been holding daily protests for weeks, demanding that their claims be processed. Um yeah, and we, you know, uh, the, the Australian government also lied about the events surrounding Rosa Barati's murder. It was actually left to the activists to get the news out about what actually happened to those men on, on Manus Island. Um, and yeah, and when you think of the death of Rosa Barati, you know, when you think that it, it might have brought an end to this cruelty by the Australian government, I mean, the Australian government is, is funding... The P, um, they have contracts with the PNG government to actually... Ha- and they're still, you know, um, these contracts have since ended, but they still sort of fund the, this, this type of cruelty that in, in other countries like Indonesia, for instance. But it, it, after Reza Barati got killed, instead of, um, you know, rethinking these, these racist policies, it, it, it was just the beginning, and these policies of inde- indefinite detention... The practices of keeping people on these prison islands who committed no crime, just 
everything just got worse. Now we've got countries like the UK and the US copying Australia, Australia's refugee policy. I heard you mentioning the asylum seekers stuck on Diego Garcia. I mean, this is this is something that you know you can see the Australian government's refugee policy in this, in how other countries are treating refugees too. Yeah, definitely. Yes, I, I think of you know. Um, the UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak using the term "stop the boats" and and you know um, glorifying Australia's um, cruel um, policies and you know I also think back to during COVID, Chloe, you would remember the the um, inhumane treatment of refugees and asylum seekers here. Um, as well, keeping them um, locked up and those daily protests that happened outside the hotel in Carlton. So you're right, it, it has continued. Nothing has changed in, in 10 years since uh, Reza's death. And if anything, like you said, they really doubled down on their, on their um, policies. I also wanted to just bring back what you were talking about in terms of the complicity of the mainstream media. Um, you were saying that it was because of the... You know the voices of of the people there, as well as activists who actually brought the the true story to the public. Um, so without whom, you know, people would have just been led to believe this lie that it was a riot. Yeah, and, that's right. And you see, you know, these same things happening again and again with what's happening in Palestine, where the mainstream media will um, continue to, I guess, um, uh, broadcast what's been just fed to them by by governments, whether that's here in so-called Australia or elsewhere. Um, I was wondering if you could end uh, our interview today by talking about the people who are still in P&G. Have there been any updates um, regarding their removal? Well, actually, there, there are updates, but they're, they're not very good ones. Um, so, I mean, as listeners might know, although Manus was formally closed, there are still about 70 refugees still trapped in PNG in Port Moresby, and one child, one a 17-year-old, was transferred to Nauru along with 10 other people last year in September under the offshore processing system set up by Australia. And these are the first people transferred to Nauru since 2014, and they have been left in a pretty bad situation. And Labor Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill, while they have... Uh, provided $500 million in aid, um, That that's actually not helping these people. Um, they still refuse to accept any responsibility for their welfare since the Australian government contracts with the PNG companies ended to accommodate those refugees, and now they're facing homelessness and living in poverty. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're still there, and we are demanding that they are released and brought to Australia and given permanent visas immediately. Yeah, thank you so much for that update, Chloe, and just goes to show that we really do need to keep the pressure on the Australian government and, uh, you know, think critically whenever there's any news of um, positive updates. Um, you know, there's probably something still going on in the background or, like you said, there are still people um, stranded in PNG who... who need help. So thank you so much for, for coming on our show this morning and, and speaking to us um, about uh, what happened to Reza and others at Manus Island, but also the the continued um, cruel and racist policies that we have here in Australia. Thank you so much for having me on the show. So that was Chloe DS, um, who 
just was on the show today to speak to us about the death of Reza Barati um, and the violence perpetrated against others uh, at the Manus Island Detention Centre back in 2014. Um, if listeners out there were, were troubled by um, what they heard, especially the, the violence, um, you can contact Lifeline on 131114. That's 131114. We'll be back with a song right after this. From Melbourne to Mildura, the Victorian Mosque Open Day is back. On Sunday the 25th of February, mosques across Victoria will open their doors to all Victorians interested in exploring and celebrating the diverse cultural and religious tapestry that defines our state. Like so many others, the Victorian Muslim community is deeply hurting because of the war on Gaza. This year, we will be acknowledging our brothers and sisters by incorporating a Palestinian theme into the broader purpose of mutual respect, understanding and inclusiveness. Attendees can anticipate a range of engaging experiences, including community discussions, henna art, jumping castles, sausage sizzles and more. Find your local mosque at www.icv.org.au forward slash VMOD. The Islamic Council of Victoria is a 3CR supporter. Nam-based Trollwe and Rawadjuri artist Kanisha is a soulful singer with an edge. You can catch Kanisha at Brunswick Music Festival on the 6th of March and we're going to play you a track by her now called Art. Yeah. 
Our next guest this morning is Mihal, a Community Lawyer and Australian Services Union, or ASU, member, involved in organising a walkout for Palestine for social and community sector workers this Thursday. Welcome to 3CR, Mihal. Thanks, Kanegi. It's lovely to have you on the show this morning. So, community organisations in your sector are, you know, facing a lot of pressure not to speak out about Palestine. I was hoping we could start by just chatting a bit about you know, why this is and why it's so important to fight against this and speak up. Yeah, um, well, I went to a Jewish primary school and we were taught that if you're silent, you're complicit and never again. And community organisations espouse social justice values. What have they done about the genocide in Gaza and the wider assault on Palestine? They remain silent. It's time to end our silence and speak out against the, these atrocities, even though there is all that pressure not to. Um, we need to do everything in our power to stop the massacres in Gaza. We've got to take a stand against them and call for a permanent ceasefire and an end to the occupation. Sure, there are other devastating wars in the world currently that also need our attention, and we should take a stand against those too. Uh, support for this one is more popular for many reasons, including that we're seeing the horrors unfold live and our government unashamed, open and direct complicity and support for it through manufacturing weapons, not demanding it stop and cutting aid. We need to use the support we've been seeing at the weekly marches in Melbourne and around the world to speak out. Again, it's not just this, but all the trust these important political issues. Um, it's especially important to speak out now when Netanyahu warns that we're on the brink of a deadly ground invasion in Rafa where 1.4 million people have been forced into refugee camps, where they've been told they'll be safe, but they're still being bombed. Uh, Egypt's building a high-security area for them to go through before being sent to another country. Palestinians have nowhere else to go. The rest of Gaza has been desecrated. They don't have access to clean water, food, sanitation or hospitals. If they're, they're not dying from bombs or bullets, they'll die from disease or hunger. We need to mobilise people now and show our support so that we don't accept our government's complicity in this genocide. And it's also important because what's happening is directly linked to our work in the social and community sector. Many of our clients have fled violent atrocities overseas and deal with um, intergener- intergenerational impacts of colonisation and state violence every day. And it's not unlikely that in a few years we'll start seeing Palestinian clients. Um, many workers in our sector have chosen this work because of their dedication to people. And uh, the ICJ has made a provisional ruling and ordered measures to prevent the genocide that's unfolding. 
and our government's in breach of its genocide convention obligations by cutting aid. It's explicitly connected to Australia, and as legal organisations, we have responsibility to discuss this and speak up. Yeah, I think, you know, especially in light of the ICJ ruling, it's quite baffling how, you know, there's a narrative of this is not actually, this has nothing to do with community organisations here in Mm -hmm. Australia or, um, you know, there's a bit of a disconnect and a contradiction. Like you said, there is a direct correlation, but, you know, there, there seems to be sort of an overarching narrative that, no, they have nothing to do with, with each other because they're far apart. Um, what, you know, what do workers in the sector think of this contradiction? Well, I guess it's sort of, yeah, it's very entrenched, you know, it's linked to, I guess that's also partly why this um, issue in particular is so popular because it's, it's sort of um, anti-Semitism is weaponised uh, and, you know, called, you're called anti-Semitic for not supporting Israel and, um, if you're, or if you're anti-Zionist. So it's sort of, and there's a really intricate kind of... Um, a system of upholding that um, that thought process and um, that thinking. So I guess it's sort of um, people are really scared to to be called that and to be um, yeah for them to be uh, shut down. And people people are, I guess um, more on an individual level, like the stakes are high. People have been sacked and people are scared of that as well. Um, so it's sort of like this intricate system of where it's really, really hard to um, criticise Israel um, and, you know, our, our government sort of statements on that show that as well, but also just what's happening on a more localised level too. Um, but, it's, yeah, it's infuriating because of what we're seeing. We're seeing it live, unfolding the horrors, the, the death and everything. And, um, yeah, I guess I've, I've I've got family in Israel, and they they're also sort of so angry about hearing anything pro Palestinian. You know, it's it's still it's still there that that thinking. Yeah, it's a bit of it serves as a bit of a smokescreen, doesn't it? Where when you conflate anti-Semitism with anti-Zionism, you know, you focus on that instead of the actual issue at hand. It. Um, yeah, I think that people are getting bogged down in that. And like you said, people do, there are co- real-life consequences because of um, this conflation. Uh, so it's it's really interesting to see how different organisations and workers within different sectors are standing up um, to, to this. Uh, you know, staff across the not-for-profit sector have written an open letter demanding social justice workplaces do stand up for Palestine. Can you tell us about this open letter and the demands in it? Yeah. Um, so it has 433 signatories from um, as of 8th of February this year. And we're calling for employers across the not-for-profit and community sector to end their silence now and show public support for Palestine the right of community and not-for-profit workers to demonstrate solidarity with Palestine in our workplaces without retribution or retaliation. For all social and community services organisations and NFPs to join in the demand from human rights organisations in Australia and across the globe, to call on Israel to enact and follow an immediate and permanent ceasefire. Demand an end to Israel's bombing and blockade of Gaza and the illegal Israeli occupation of Palestinian land and the Australian government to cut all military and diplomatic ties with Israel. So they're our main asks. Um, Yeah, yeah. that's great. And that's a huge amount of signatures as well. So 
It's great to hear that it has a lot of support um, within the sector. Uh, and you've also planned a lunchtime walkout in support of Palestine this Thursday, the 22nd of February. Can you tell us a bit about this action? Yeah, so um, it is, it's at 1pm on Thursday and it will be out the front of um, Victorian Centre of Social Services, BCOS, 128 Exhibition Street, Melbourne, and we'll walk to the Federation of Community Legal Centres um, to demand our peak bodies and workplaces break their silence on genocide in Palestine. Um, we'll hear from speakers out the front of BCOS and then um, out the front of SDLC. And, yeah, you can come, you can just come along. Um, you can message on Instagram, ASU for Palestine, and follow us there for updates on the flyer. And, look, we'd, um, we would like people to come, but there's, there's obviously no pressure and we support our comrades with... We've got power in numbers. We hope that the more people come, the more difficult it will be to carry out retributive measures. But um, having said that, like I said before, it is high risk. It's unprotected. Um, the stakes are high. Um, and we've got a flyer that we encourage people to look at um, to go through the risks. Um, but, you know, if you are worried about repercussions, you could take leave or till or um, just come for lunchtime. Or, um, or you can take photos in solidarity. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's important to note that uh, this action is unprotected because of laws that, you know, only protected union action can happen while an enterprise bargaining agreement is being negotiated. Uh, so, yeah, like like Michal said, there's a great um, Instagram post on the ASU for Palestine Instagram that talks about workers' rights and how um, you can be a part of the action and what your risks are, just so anyone wanting to be involved can be aware. Um, what would you like to say to workers who would like to support the action but are a bit afraid or unsure? Yeah, I guess just that, um, you know, hopefully we have power in numbers, but to, um, you know, to sort of look at what your situation is, what your relationship with your employer is like, um, and look at whether you're on probation or coming up for contract renewal, just sort of, um, you know, you know your workplace better, but, um, but yeah, we care about our comrades and um, come along if you can. And also, I, I guess what might be comforting to know is that um, in addition to the ASU for Palestine open letter, many staff at SACS organisations have been lobbying internally for public statements, but a lot of them have been refused. But VALS, Victorian Aboriginal Legal Services and Human Rights Law Centre, have spoken out and are leading by example in the sector... Um, they put out statements um, and, yeah, VALS links the Palestinian plight with that of the Aboriginal people. So, And there have been recent, other recent unprotected industrial actions, like last month, where is it? Foundation of Young Australians went on strike over Palestine. So, yeah, go in with eyes open, but um, um, hopefully you, do, you can come along. Amazing. Uh, yeah. We will link to or the ASU underscore Action for Palestine Instagram on our show notes later today as well for any listeners who are interested in knowing more or signing the open letter or joining the action happening this Thursday. Michal, that's all we have time for this morning, but thank you so much for joining us and talking us through this action planned for Thursday. Thanks, Kanagi. So that was community lawyer and ASU member Michal talking to us about the ASU action planned for this Thursday, the 22nd of February at 1pm. As I said, uh, 
There's more information on their Instagram at ASU underscore Action for Palestine. So make sure you follow them for updates. We're going to go to a track now. This one is Lonely Love Affair by Yara. Something strange is in That was Lonely Love Affair by Yara. Yara will be performing at the opening night of an exhibition starting on Thursday, Artists in Solidarity, uh, which is put on by Made in Palestine. And we will be speaking with Georgia from Made in Palestine at 8.15.
Here's what's coming up at Camp Sovereignty today. At 6.30pm this evening, Uncle Robbie will be presenting a Crime Scene Australia workshop with some friends. At 9pm, the Black People's Union will present a series of documentaries and short clips called Black Power. As always, dinner is served at 7pm and a smoking ceremony will be held at 8.30pm. If you are unable to attend Camp Sovereignty in person, you can tune in to Bundles Fire with Robbie Thorpe on Wednesdays at 11am right here on 3CR Community Radio. To keep up to date with what's happening at Camp Sovereignty, make sure you follow the accounts at Black People's Union and at Old Full Stop Country Full Stop Calling. Stand in solidarity with Palestine this Sunday. With the most devastating attack ever launched on the people of Gaza, It's time for all of us to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Israel has waged war on the Palestinians for the last 75 years. The Nakba, ethnic cleansing, occupation of the West Bank, East Jerusalem and Gaza. Israel has now imposed a total blockade on Gaza and declared war, stopping food, electricity and fuel and launching an all-out attack. We have to mobilise to show our support for Palestine. 12pm, State Library, this Sunday. Rally to demand freedom and justice for Palestine. No war on Gaza. Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. The law is part of our everyday lives, including when we buy something, use a service, have a job or rent a house. The law can be used to help protect and support families when there is violence in the home or disputes over parenting arrangements. Sometimes we might need to understand the law to navigate specific government systems like Centrelink, getting a residency visa, or if we come into contact with the police. Community legal centres provide free, quality legal advice and assistance to help people with everyday legal problems. We focus on working with people who are experiencing disadvantage such as financial hardship, family violence, homelessness and discrimination. Community legal centres are independent, non-government organisations and can be found across Victoria and Australia. If you're experiencing a legal problem, your local community legal centre may be able to help. To find a community legal centre near you, visit the Federation of Community Legal Centres Victoria at www.fclc.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Here on 3CR Breakfast, we've been speaking to different community groups across Nam who are fighting for a free Palestine. Listeners may recall that last week we spoke to Sarah and Shirley from Hobson's Bay for Palestine. Today we're joined by a member of City of Melbourne for Palestine and activist from Nam, Akara. Akara's on the show this morning to talk about the community group and the motion calling for action and solidarity with Gaza and the occupied Palestine territories being presented at the City of Melbourne Council meeting tonight. Welcome to 3CR, Kara. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about Melbourne for Palestine and the work this movement is doing to mobilise residents in the City of Melbourne? Yes, of course. So as we've witnessed the escalation of violence in Palestine over the past four months, um, what we've seen what appears to be an unprecedented level of support from a diverse range of communities in Melbourne in standing up against the violation of humanitarian and um, 
law and international law taking place in Palestine right now. And over this time, over 100,000 Palestinian civilians, mothers, fathers and children have been killed, are injured or missing. And over 70% of Gaza has been decimated with civic infrastructure, hospitals, schools, roadways, utilities and homes being destroyed. Uh, And these numbers are rising every day and the statistics are alarming to say the least. So over the past few weeks, passionate residents of the city of Melbourne from all creeds have been tirelessly organising and appealing to their local representatives of the city of Melbourne, asking them to take an active role in representing their voices to call for an end of the atrocities that are continuing to be committed by Israel against civilians. This has been supported with a petition currently boasting over 2,000 signatures uh, reflecting a collective desire for justice and solidarity. So we thank the City of Melbourne councillors for taking courage when many government representatives have failed to recognise the severity of the conflict, the implications of the provisional measures that we've seen in the ICJ and the implications of a plausible genocide and we're incredibly proud to be part of the City of Melbourne movement. Um, to organise for Free Palestine. Yeah, it's um, so important, as you say, it's something that is bringing together um, so many different groups. And as you say, we're not seeing enough action from, you know, national governments um, in Australia and also um, around the world. Why is it so important to see action at the local and grassroots level? I think that this is a really important question and I've had many conversations in recent months about combating inaction by disrupting the learned helplessness that we develop, uh, particularly under capitalism and under Western individualism. I think it creates these deep-rooted schemas we have about the utility of our own ability to have influence which disincentivizes collectivization and relying on collective action and on organizing in groups. I think the the power to topple oppressive regimes and dismantle robust power structures has always been in collective action. But in order to harness that power, we need to find ways to overcome the disenfranchisement. And I strongly believe that community organising and grassroots effort is fundamental in mobilising the power of the people towards the collective cause through the sharing of knowledge and resources, uh, establishing solidarity networks and dispelling the false notion that resistance is, is futile. So I think when we can't be quiet about the, the plight of Palestinians, because of how uh, Israel's genocidal operations are being funded and fueled by our government. When this demands our attention and our perseverance and our action, the power of local communities and grassroots grassroots organisations in bringing about that change becomes central. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And those um, networks that you're talking about and the community bonds are often what drives us, um, I guess, to to fight for these things, which, you know, they are so important to so many people close to us, but feel like they're on the other side of the world and that we can't possibly 
do anything about it. So we do need those um, community bonds. So you're calling um, today on the City of Melbourne Council to pass a motion in support of Palestine. Can you tell us what the demands of this pro-Palestine motion are? Mm-hmm, of course. So this motion this evening is following in the footsteps of many similar motions. Uh, it's calling for the City of Melbourne to take a stronger stand. Uh, we are aware, of course, that... Um, we're aware, of course, that the Australian government has recently made statements in support of a ceasefire, but given Israel's advancement into Rafa, passing this motion tonight is vital in order to, to put more pressure on uh, the federal government to uh, take a stronger stance and to act urgently. So the, the motion itself is calling on the council to officially acknowledge the loss of innocent lives and condemn all forms of violence against civilians, uh, to publicly acknowledge the significance of the ICJ's ruling and advocate for compliance with international law and the protection of human rights in Gaza and the occupied Palestinian territories, uh, to express solidarity with Melbourne's Palestinian community and all residents affected by or concerned by the situation, recognising the profound psychological impact of these events, to firmly denounce any uh, manifestation of racism, discrimination or vilification arising from these tensions, ensuring our city remains a beacon of embodying multicultural harmony and safety, to acknowledge our role in fostering dialogue that prioritises peace, justice and human rights, fostering community healing and support, uh, to advocate to the Australian government for an immediate ceasefire, unhindered provision of essential humanitarian aid and support for international initiatives aimed at achieving a sustainable peace that upholds the rights and dignity of all Palestinians and Israelis and provide assistance refugees fleeing the conflict to Australia by facilitating access to housing, food, employment, healthcare, uh, including mental health uh, services, and ultimately to call for an end to the occupation of the Palestinian territories in alignment with numerous United Nations resolutions advocating for the respect of Palestinian rights and sovereignty. Um, the final thing that is being demanded in the motion is uh, the cessation of all illegal Israeli settlements in the occupied Palestinian territories in accordance with international law. Yeah, the, thank you so much. Those demands are so important um, and it's uh, surprising almost how difficult they are to achieve in Australia when we're seeing so much international support and we're seeing what the um, International Court of Justice has said and what the UN said and what community groups are saying. So it seems like a sort of minimum that um, we should be able to achieve. Uh, can you tell us about the rally that will take place um, today at the Melbourne Town Hall in support of this motion? Yes, of course. So Tonight, we are holding a rally outside uh, the Melbourne Town Hall on Swanston Street to send a clear message to the City of Melbourne councillors who will be debating this motion tonight. 
So we want to send the message that the City of Melbourne residents are in support of an immediate and permanent ceasefire, an end to the siege on Gaza and a free Palestine. So we invite everyone to join us at 5pm tonight uh, in front of the town hall uh, in support of this motion. And where can our listeners find out more or how can they get involved? So you can follow us at Melbourne underscore or underscore Palestine uh, on Instagram. And there we have access to some QR codes where you can join um, our WhatsApp announcements group and also keep up to date with any progress in the motion. Uh, or any further actions that will be occurring. Okay, thanks so much, uh, Cara, for joining us. That's um, all we have time for, but it's been great having you uh, on the show to talk about what uh, is going on in the city of Melbourne. Thank you so much for having me. So that was Cara from uh, City of Melbourne Council for Palestine speaking to us about tonight's rally outside the Melbourne Town Hall at 5pm. And uh, as Cara said, you can follow updates on Instagram by following um, at Melbourne underscore for F-O-R underscore Palestine. We'll be right back with our final interview for the morning after these messages. We know you love listening to 3CR. But we also know that many of you haven't downloaded the Community Radio Plus app yet. The app lets you tune in anywhere and share the station with your friends. So, show the love and share the love and search Community Radio Plus wherever you get your apps. Australia's energy market is broken. Right, but Copower gives you better energy? Nope, no retailer can control where the electrons they buy off the grid come from. But as a Copower member, you can vote on where 100% of revenue goes. So instead of corporate profit, your energy bill builds the world you want to be a part of. That's cool. Learn more about the solidarity economy and Copower today and take the power back. Victorian energy fact sheets and basic plan information documents are available at cooperativepower.org.au. For clear advice on the right plan for you, contact us on 03 9068 6036. A 3CR supporter. 3CR is about community and we welcome your participation at the station. 3CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering? Doing a reception shift? Getting a program on air? Training in radio skills or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at 3CR. To find out more, go to 3cr.org.au and get in touch. Made in Palestine is a non-profit project providing humanitarian and economic support to Palestinian refugees and those living under military occupation. They have a four-day art exhibition coming up, Artists in Solidarity, to raise funds for Palestinian organisations Bakja and APAN. We are joined this morning by Georgia Mulholland, the director of Made in Palestine, Georgia is the only member of the team currently here in Nam, with the remaining team in the West Bank. While in Nam for a few short months before returning to Palestine, she is actively involved in community organising projects. Welcome to 3CR, Georgia. Hi, hello. Uh, can we start this morning by telling the listeners a, a bit of an overview of the exhibition and how it came about? 
Yeah, so it is a four-day exhibition called Artists in Solidarity, uh, starting this Thursday, 22nd, running until Sunday, 25th. Um, and it kind of came about because I was working with the Lupine Studio team, who have been very supportive of Made in Palestine. Um, and we wanted to bring some cultural elements and celebration to the conversation in Nam right now, um, kind of giving artists, musicians a platform to share and celebrate while also raising funds and keeping uh, Palestine front of mind. Mm, awesome. That sounds great. The exhibition mm. features Palestinian, Middle Eastern and POC artists, as well as emerging artists that are committed to speaking up for Palestine. Can you tell us a bit about the artists involved in the exhibition? Yeah, we have a wonderful lineup of artists all involved, um, from ones that are here locally, like Sophia Sabah, Saul McKenzie, um, Amani Alakan, Alishan Saglam. A lot of artists are exhibiting for the first time, which is incredible. Um, but then we also have ones that have sent in work from overseas, such as Zainab Mafud, who is in Lebanon, um, and so, yeah, it's going to bring together a lot of, of different people and different sources. And can you uh, speak to why it's so important for artists to speak up for Palestine? I think it's important for all industries to be speaking up for Palestine, uh, especially here in so-called Australia, especially here in Nam, where uh, there's been a lot of Zionist funding exposed in the arts and artists back in Last year, back, you know, following October 7th, a lot of artists were finding it very hard to find a voice in speaking up for Palestine. Uh, they might have lost um, jobs or contracts or gallery um, spaces if they were speaking up for Palestine. But this is an exhibition just full of people that are committed to speaking up and will continue to do so. You make some excellent points there. And I think what you said before about this being a space for celebration as well as to raise funds and to sort of shine a light on what is happening, that's such a like nice element to it as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to see the exhibition come together. Um, we've also got some live musicians performing throughout the weekend. So it's, it's really hard to be celebrating right now, um, you know, for everyone here or anyone that has family over in the West Bank or Gaza, having a moment to celebrate or breathe feels really wrong and a lot of guilt comes up. Um, but having the focus be celebrating art, celebrating resistance through the art, you know, alternative forms of protest, that's kind of what this exhibition is trying to do. Mm, and giving people a moment to be able to come together as well. Um, you yeah. mentioned before that there's some live music over the exhibition days and there's a few different events happening as well. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners like what they can expect from each of the days or some of the highlights? Yeah, so it opens on Thursday the 22nd of Feb. Uh, so a few days from now, um, we're having an opening night event with some amazing musicians performing right in the gallery space. So uh, Yada will be performing. Um, she is from Gaza, she's Palestinian. 
as well as Berke Mete, who is a Turkish DJ. Um, and then Friday, again, we have more incredible DJs and live musicians uh, from all over the Middle East, from Lebanon, Syria, Palestine. Um, on Saturday, we are just having a more chilled day that people can kind of come through when suits them. And we'll be streaming Radio Al-Hada's Learning Palestine, um, the soundtrack or soundscape. And then on Sunday, protest day, obviously we want everyone to be heading to the protest. But for anyone that's not, we're going to be uh, broadcasting the, or streaming the 3CR Melbourne um, rallies uh, that they've captured over the last few months. Amazing. And I understand that over the weekend there'll be a silent auction as well. So what sort of works will people be able to uh, purchase and, and by doing that will be donating to these organisations? Yes, yeah, so most of the artwork in the exhibition um, is available for silent auction. So the artists have created it uh, specifically knowing that they wanted to raise funds for the two organizations we're supporting with this exhibition, which is Bookja and APAN. Um, it's just a way to raise additional funds, um, but also means that some of these really beautiful artworks will get to go home with other people and be in the homes of others. Uh, there's a lot of really incredible pieces that um, artists use, Palestinian motifs of resistance or liberation, um, you know, words like ceasefire, genocide, whatever it might be. Um, it's going to be a very varied exhibition with different formats. So there should be something that anyone would love to have. Sounds incredible. Sounds like there's a lot happening over those four days. And as we've mentioned, it's a great place for people to be able to come together and celebrate the art of Palestinian people and other artists that are speaking up for Free Palestine. Thanks so much for joining us this morning, Georgia. Thank you so much for having me on. That was Georgia Mulholland, director of Made in Palestine, talking about Artists in Solidarity, which is an art exhibition to raise funds for Palestinian organisations Bukja and APAN. It's a pay-by-donation entry, and the exhibition is running from this Thursday, the 22nd of February, where there will be an opening night event and running through till Sunday the 25th. It's at Lupine Studio in Fitzroy North here in Nam. There are lots of things happening each of the days of the exhibition. So to find out more details, you can head to the Instagram page at It's Made in Palestine. So it's up to us, the people. We need a treaty in this country. We need the end to the war in this country. And the only way we can do that is through a peace treaty. Not the one you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland, not the one you see in the Northern Territory, because they talk treaty and still lock our people up. They still kill our people. They still desecrate our land and our water. A treaty means peace. A treaty means equality. 
and a treaty means justice. Thank you. You're listening to Radical Radio on 3CR, 855 on your AM dial, 3CR digital, and podcasting and streaming on 3cr.org.au. Did you know that Ripponlea Estate is recognised as a leading biodiversity hotspot within the city of Glenara? It is a haven for birds and other wildlife. Ripponlea Estate is now running bird spotting tours, providing an opportunity for the community to explore the beautiful 14 acres of gardens with a volunteer guide searching out the diverse family of birds that call Ripponlea home. Please visit ripponleaestate.com.au to view tour times and to book your tour. The National Trust of Australia is a 3CR supporter. You're on 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. We have reached the end of our show for this morning. We had a big show today for you. Uh, We started off at 7.15. With a clip from Stella Swain from Palestine Solidarity Campaign UK speaking about boycotting Barclays Bank and their complicity in funding Israeli military. Then at 7.30, we spoke to Chloe DS, who is a refugee rights activist, Green Left journalist, as well as a fellow 3CR presenter, about the 10-year anniversary of the murder of Reza Barati at the detention centre on Manus Island. At 7.45, we spoke with Mihal from the ASU. Uh, Mihal is a community lawyer who is involved in organising a walkout for Palestine for the social and community sector happening on this Thursday. You can follow at ASU underscore Action for Palestine on Instagram for updates. Uh, At 8 o'clock, we gave a brief update on what's happening at Camp Sovereignty today. And at 8.05, we spoke with Cara from the City of Melbourne Council for Palestine about the motion they're passing today and the rally at the town hall at 5pm. And we just finished the show then speaking with Georgia, the director of Made in Palestine, about an exhibition coming up starting on Thursday, Artists in Solidarity. It's raising funds for Palestinian organisations Bukja and APAN and is at Lupine Studio in Fitzroy North. To find out more about, about the exhibition, you can see the Instagram page at It's Made in Palestine. And that was our show for this morning. Some really great Palestine actions coming up. Uh, we, we spoke of um, all the events happening this week. So make sure that you do attend whatever you can um, to support Free Palestine in any way that you can. Um, it's, it's always, it, at your voice adds to you know the global voice to stand up for what's happening there. We will be back again next Tuesday. Until then, stay tuned for breakfast for the rest of the week. 3CR Breakfast would like to thank the New International Bookshop, Melbourne's independent radical bookstore and venue, for their financial support of this program. You can find Nibs in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street, Carlton. Keep up to date with upcoming events at nibs.org.au.